Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Alex Grodnick, and this is Moving Up, a podcast about secrets to success, struggles along the way, and life in general. Today on the pod, Adi Pinar, a serial entrepreneur and now big-time author. Adi's new book, called Life Profitability, lays out a framework to broaden our thinking about entrepreneurial success. It really resonated with me because when you think about how our society glamorizes startups and the wild success that they can have, that's only a really small part of a founder's journey. And when you think about what your own life goals are, something that we go over in the conversation ahead, a startup and the opportunity to make millions of dollars may not even be necessary for you to accomplish everything that you want to in life. Okay, that's it for me. Let's jump into the conversation. Okay, Adi Pinar from Cape Town, South Africa. Welcome to the podcast. Cape Town indeed. Hey, Alex, nice to be here. Yeah, it was tough lining up scheduling on this because our time zones are so different. So it's 10 in the morning here and it's seven at night there? Uh, It's just gone 8 p.m. 8 p.m. there. Okay, so yeah, complete opposite sides of the day. Um, So I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Yeah, totally. So you are a very entrepreneurial person. You've been a founder. You've, you've, uh, you know, had your hands in in lots of businesses as you've, as you've gone through your journey. And now you're an author trying to, you know, help future entrepreneurs and founders, but let's start at the, at the beginning, Edie. Um, You know, how'd you get into, into founding companies and entrepreneurship? Was that in your blood? Did that come to you later in life? Like, where did it come from? Yeah. Um, so I think probably the first part um, that was a major contributing force there, Alex, is uh, my dad, ever since I can remember as, you know, probably as a five, six, seven-year-old, i.e. having some, you know, kind of adult memory, right? Or that rational memory, at least, is I can remember my dad being an entrepreneur, owning his own businesses. He he got stuck into computer hardware before the kind of big box retailers eventually kind of, you know, killed or coined you know, that space. And he pivoted into doing more kind of, you know, networking and financial system stuff. But so I really saw that with him firstly, right. Um, in that this was an alternative path, right. The the only version of my dad that I know was the, the dad that worked for himself, like had his own businesses. So I think that was the first contributing factor. And then I guess somewhere later, like in my teenage years, like late high school, so 15, 16, like really started connecting those dots from, like doing the kind of literally the bake sale at school to probably my first version of, Hey, I have these ideas and I would like to create them to, to the extent that I can put them out in the world. And I think that was probably, that was the first version of entrepreneurship for me was really just about making things and being able to share them, you know, with the world. Right. Super interesting to hear. So I assume that you started kind of tinkering with creating things and getting them out there. And so, you know, what were some of those early ideas? Yeah. I mean, so I guess the, like, there's two most fun things. Uh, and again, like these things often when 
when I tell even I tell my story, like they are often missed. But the things I got to late in high school and early, like in the first couple of years of of university, was uh, literally a modeling agency. Um, and the other was alternative music record label. So very much tainted, not tainted, inspired by probably that just kind of, you know, being a testosterone driven teenage boy at the time, right? Loving music and, you know, and, and girls pretty much. But those were really kind of where I learned loads of things. I, like, I, I taught myself how to code websites so I can create websites for these things. I taught myself initial kind of marketing skills. So like the ideas didn't matter as much at that stage as it was kind of just creating this blank canvas or framework for me to explore, make mistakes and essentially learn, you know, learn new skills. Yeah, I love that, Edian. And putting the package together of like, I don't know how to code websites. I don't know marketing, but you just go out and figure it out and make it happen. Yeah. And that's what kind of that the early days of entrepreneurship, that's what it's all about. Yeah. And I, like, I honestly think it's not just about entrepreneurship there, Alex. Like I think, and again, like if you, if you ask my wife, she wildly disagrees with me about this, but we like, we have two boys, six and nine at the stage. And I'm pretty confident that for example, I, I don't think that they should necessarily have to go to a tertiary kind of, kind of institution eventually to study something. I'm, I'm a big believer in kind of doing the work, learning side by side, kind of with other people that are further along than you know, than you are on your journey and knows how to do this thing that you're trying to learn. But then like, I think it's, it's a great, a great way to learn is just learn by doing right. Which accounts or kind of creates some space to make mistakes as well. Cause everyone learning something will make mistakes along the way as well. No, I completely agree that learning by doing is way better than going and sitting in a classroom. So I don't think the, the job to be done of university is teaching. I think it's more on the socialization piece, which, which is important and probably missing from a lot of kids' educations these days as they sit on a Zoom like this and, and learn. Um, so, okay, so you do, go to, you do go to university, though. You follow that conventional path. Uh, and what happens for you after? Yeah. So, um, so I actually did, so I did my major, my, my bachelor's degree, um, in accounting and eventually kind of did my honors degree in, in business uh, studies. And it was the, the reason for the accounting was the original plan, um, which I think was mostly my dad's plan, but was for me to be a chartered accountant. And I just absolutely hated it. I like absolutely hated it. It was way too rigid for me. Um, and I'm very happy to, to report that I dodged the bullet of even doing kind of articles for, you know, for like articles or apprenticeship, um, you know, for my accounting. Um, what effectively happened, Alex, is I stumbled onto WordPress somewhere during that kind of the four years I spent at varsity. Um, and the initial impetus again was I wanted a blog because all the cool kids were, you know, had blogs. And I taught myself how to code, um, you know, built my own WordPress website, started doing that for a couple of clients. And what effectively happened thereafter was uh, in the last kind of two months of, you know, at, at university, um, this November 2007, so years ago now, uh, I launched the first, built and launched the first product that eventually became WooThemes and WooCommerce, um, which became my, my, my first kind of your big success. So again, like that was really me learning things being able to find clients eventually, and then, you know, finding a way to prioritize that. And to the extent that kind of post-university, I effectively only spent six weeks at the kind of corporate employer who might agree to join before launching the product. And the only reason why I could leave is that I was making the same from kind of my, you know, side hustle with kind of WooThemes selling these themes on top of WordPress than I was from my corporate gig, uh, which was rigid, kind of very, 
you know, specific hours, specific work, which was not as fun, et cetera. Right. I mean, I like the idea of having a side project all of a sudden start to become more important than, than your real project. What did your family think about making that move? <laughs> yeah. So I remember sitting my dad down and I remember where in the lounge we sat um, and I told him this year that like, I'm considering quitting my job. And again, like I thought like he was going to be ecstatic because he had been an entrepreneur like for most of his adult life. And I thought he was going to you know, pat me on the back and say, you know, go boy, go. And he sat there and he said, he thinks it's too early. He does not think I should quit. Like he does not think that this idea is viable, um, et cetera. Um, and which was surprising, but then he also gave me some of the best advice I ever got, or maybe not even advice, just something to be aware of, which I don't think I would have been aware of at that time because you're so optimistic and so future driven. But he said, you know, at 80, he said, the, know this, like if you embark on this path, the, the toughest boss you will ever have is the boss you're going to be for yourself. And I didn't understand that at the time. And now kind of you're forecasting, I mean, this is 13 years later, right? From that day when he, when he gave me that advice. Um, and I now know that, you know, at least kind of, I've experienced that multiple times. Like the boss I've been to myself, um, I've been a pretty crappy, I've been a, I think I've been a pretty good boss to everyone else that I've worked with, um, or most people, at least in most situations. But at many times, I think I've been a pretty you know, crappy boss uh, to myself. Yeah. And I mean, we're all, tough judges of, of ourself, but, uh, yeah, finding be, being able to find that compassion for yourself, uh, can be, can be pretty difficult, especially when you're a very driven entrepreneur and trying to build something with these, you know, expectations that you're going to take over the world. It's like, there's, it'll, it'll never be enough. Someone came on this podcast once recently and they said, happiness equals, um, results minus or expectations minus results. And so, yes, when you have these big, uh, business ideas, like it's going to be difficult for you to ever reach and achieve them. But if you can have slightly smaller ideas and like, that's why side projects are so good because you can have, you can set the bar pretty low, just like that's what this podcast started off of as, and, and then it's growing and people are listening to it and liking it. And it's like, wow, this is just delightful. And then who knows where it can go. Yeah. And I, perhaps I have a kind of slightly different take. Um, and again, I think the kind of disclaimer here is like, I, you know, for everything beyond those six weeks, right. I've, I've been, um, I've, I've been my own boss, right. I, between the kind of the two major successes I've had, you know, in companies that I built, I like even the failures in between were, uh, were my own doing, right. And I was being my own boss and I would probably, you know, kind of, um, I, I would propose to anyone, regardless of where they are at in their journey, I think we build up this entrepreneurial path as, you know, this very accessible path that is definitely for everyone. And I definitely think it is an incredibly rewarding path, right? But I don't think it is for everyone necessarily. And for me, there's a very simple reason to that is I think many entrepreneurs or people starting on that journey start with some definition of freedom, pursuing freedom whether it's freedom to work on what you want, how you want, with whom you want, when you want, there's a version of freedom there. But what we tend to kind of forget in that kind of, there's a trade-off and we ultimately trade other freedoms, right? So ever since I've had my own business, you know, business, like I am ultimately responsible for other people's payroll, right? I, I, like I have less freedom because I am responsible to make sure that these people who do work with me and for me get paid, right? Or I am... I, I trade the freedom of kind of presence of mind sometimes when my business is literally on my phone in my pocket and I can't play Legos with my kids. Right. And I just think 
there is just, we always tell this kind of uh, almost the only half of the narrative of what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And then we glorify the hardest bits, but we leave out that trade-off, the opportunity cost that is definitely there that we're just not aware of and it doesn't get spoken about often. Yeah, you're right. Startups are very glamorized. Two guys in a garage and look how quickly and then they raised millions of dollars. And yeah, I mean, it's like a tooth that goes way back up. Uh, you know, and Elon Musk always says like doing a startup is like chewing glass and staring into the abyss. It's, it's lonely and hard and everyone in the world is telling you, oh, this won't work and stop doing it. And your family is saying, what are you doing? And it's like, it's so difficult to have that fortitude uh, to push on when literally everything is against you. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, for me, um, you know, and I think a big part of where I'm at in my life, a big part of kind of the ideas that went into, into my new book, Life Profitability too, is this notion of saying like how, you know, how can I make decisions, whether it's about building a business or just my professional career, this path that I'm on, that is not just so narrowly focused on just a financial or just a professional profit, but instead kind of took me you know, making that much more wholesome um, and holistic and saying, I need to do things that profits my whole life. And sometimes like there are other things like, you know, hobbies, family and friends, health, like all of those things that we probably don't account for that gets neglected on our entrepreneurial path. And sometimes, you know, just having a really great job, right, where you can do truly stimulating kind of challenging work and you're guaranteed a really great salary at the end of the day. And all of those things combined empowers and enables the rest of your life, those life profits. That's probably a better choice for many people, right, than this very, very risky, very narrow path that is sometimes entrepreneurship. Well, I mean, we all want balance. I mean, we want to have extremely full bank accounts as we go out and have a family and fun and friends and, and all of that. And so we kind of like society has like led us to think that, oh, a startup could could do that because, you know, it, it is it, it can be a shortcut for some people, but it can also be a very long, hard journey for for the 99 percent of people. Um, and so. Right. So, yeah. Tell us tell us about the, the book and, and where the idea came from for it and and uh, and all of that. Yeah. So. So I mentioned life profitability. The book is called Life Profitability, The New Measure of Entrepreneurial Success. And, and really kind of the, the genesis of the idea, Alex, was me working with my previous team um, at Convergio. And the initial parts of this, um, you know, came to us as a, almost as a collective, right, where we started wording our kind of mission and our values in the following way, which is we wanted to do fun, stimulating, challenging work that is commercially viable. But we also acknowledged that the most meaningful experiences that we can probably have is outside of work with people that are not our colleagues, right? So whatever work we did, the team that we built, the business that we built, the park we built, the customers we served, they had to serve our individual lives. And by actually serving our individual lives, it has this kind of, you know, almost kind of symbiosis effect where we're better human beings outside of work. So we're better human beings coming back into work. So that's where that idea comes from. So life profitability really just wants to expand this kind of very narrow definition that we generally understand in business or in professional kind of you know, careers, which is financial profitability, right? You're measured black and white. Um, you know, do you are, like, are you positive or negative at the end of the month, right? And I just wanted to expand that. I, I, I wanted to kind of flip that kind of, you know, over. And as I just mentioned, like the idea of life profits, right? To, to truly think about, if you had a life portfolio, then work is just one component in that life portfolio. And just like you would have an investment portfolio, you would have other stocks in there. 
And those other stocks are probably things like, again, like hobbies, right? Exercise, good sleep, your best friends. If you have a family, it's your family, right? For many people, it's, you know, traveling, having kind of those experiences. And I think like that's the core idea of life profitability is for every individual, like listening to this to figure out like, what is my definition of life profitability? And then rejigging whether it's your business or your professional career to start serving that because that's, that's our ultimate goal here. I, I, I doubt that anyone's, the reality is no one's ultimate goal is making a million dollars. Because if you, you know, ask anyone that's made a million dollars is they go on to the next thing, right? So making a million dollars is never the actual goal. And I don't want to be glib. I wouldn't be, be that successful glib person here that's ignorant. I fully understand that, you know, in a capitalist society, money makes the world go round and we all need money to pay the bills. So I'm not trying to ignore the financial and the success component here. All I'm proposing is that there are many other things in that life portfolio as well that we often neglect in this very kind of laser focused because we're taught to be laser focused, but laser focused kind of, you know, uh, fascination with the entrepreneurial dream, which unfortunately, again, like is very risky. Just looking at stats, it doesn't serve that many people, right? It serves a very small percentage of people ultimately. Right. AD, I, I love that framework. And I think the, the bigger idea here is why do you want a million dollars? Not just, I want it. Well, what do I want to do once I have that? Okay. Well, I want to spend time with family and I want to go travel and I want to, you know, do X, Y, Z. So then you think, okay, well, do I really need a million dollars to do that? Or how can I, you know, start to achieve those things like right now? Exactly right. And I think like, and again, like that should be the perspective. And for me, that part of this um, crystallized, and I actually opened the book with the story of neurosurgeon Paul Kaliniti, and he wrote a, a beautiful book called When Breath Becomes Air, um, and a real tearjerker as well. But Paul was a acclaimed neurosurgeon, and he had almost like always had two goals, right? Which are two big life goals, which was writing a book and being a dad. And what effectively happened, and he like the opening quotes that I share in the book, um, in my book, says his words says he'd building all this potential for so long, and now that potential is going to kind of to waste or isn't going to you know come to fruition. And what effectively happened is he was diagnosed with lung cancer at the age of thirty six, and he died you know a year later when his daughter was only eight months old, right? And his wife had to finish the last chapter of his book. And I think that's the risk we run when we sequence these important things in our life. When we ultimately say, you know what, I'm going to build this business for the next five or 10 years, get to that exit. Then it's going to make me, you know, why amount of money. And then I'm going to do all these things that I've always wanted to do. And the reason I just think that's a risk, not just using Paul's, you know, story as kind of sample size of one, but ultimately like we, we don't know how much time we need to get to a certain outcome, Right. That outcome also is not guaranteed. And finally, like we also just don't know as mortal human beings how much time we have on this earth, right? And all of that just means like it's a risky endeavor, right? Which again, like just in my mind just says, you know, don't be, um, you know, completely like over the top and try and spend every single kind of, you know, dollar you have having fun today. There's also balance in that, but there are probably important things in your life that you should not hold off, you know, hold off on. Like you should build them into and have a regular cadence around doing those things whilst you also pursue these bigger long-term goals. Right. So it sounds like step one is just becoming aware of the things that you want to have in your life and then 
the rest of the book is like the plan of, all right, well, how do I incorporate and put all this into a, uh, into a package together? Yeah, exactly. And, and we, I, I, I mentioned to you off air, um, I probably didn't want to write a how to book either. Uh, Cause I don't believe in those um, kind of types of books. Um, I don't believe that there's a single blueprint here. So I really wanted to, to write the book that shares, you know, some ideas um, that I've really gathered from all over the place, right? I mean, everything from Stoic philosophy, some Buddhist principles, some just anecdotes from kind of my own experience, some things that we see in nature. And the book really is there just to inspire new ideas and essentially allow the reader to figure out what their own life profitability looks like. Because ultimately, like, nobody can pursue, nobody can pursue my life profitability or my version thereof. Um, you know, on my behalf or, you know, to their own benefit. Like, you know, a big part of the book is just helping you figure out kind of what really matters to you. And then, you know, building some framework and scaffolding around that, right? But you as a unique magical individual need to figure like, some of those things out yourself. There's clarity about your values. Um, that, for example, is the very first step thereof. Like you have to know yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds so, so compelling, really, really interesting. Edie, what's next for you on, on, uh, on your path to, for life profitability? Yeah. Um, always, always stress testing the, um, you know, the, the concepts and ideas in there, Alex. I think, you know, that's one of the things that I can also honestly say in proposing these ideas in writing a book about them. It's not like I have perfected any of these things. Um, I'm also, and I think that's part of the process here as well, which is, it's still evolving for me. I'm still learning. I'm still iterating. Um, so like, that's a big part of like why I also do the things that I want to do. Like one of my highest values, a big part of my life profitability is just learning and learning new things. So um, I've, I've recently started, you know, building a new SaaS company, new software company. Um, so really putting again, like for me is that should be an evolution. This would be my third, kind of, you know, big company, air quotes, right? That I attempt to kind of, you know, work on here. And really what I want to do from kind of first company to second to third is I want to make sure that I constantly kind of get closer to what is actually life profitable. So I can, again, like I call it stress testing, but stress testing some of these ideas that are based on some learnings or realizations from the past. Um, and really just think about not more, um, but really thinking about better. Um, more diverse, for example, um, those kind of things. Like that's that's really what fascinates you know me at this stage and kind of what drives you know my ambition forward um, at the moment. Right. Uh, I mean, I love the story. It uh, it always makes so much sense, and the idea of of this life profitability framework. I mean, yeah, you're right. I think this is what the future holds. It's going to be way less one sided of people thinking oh career and then everything else, and once career gets figured out then I'll go figure out my life. That's, that's a flawed way to look at things. So Eddie, where can people learn more, hear more from you, the book, all of that stuff? Yeah. So the book itself is available all, all major kind of outlets. Um, Amazon probably being the kind of the, the most prominent one, both you know paperback and kind of ebook. Um, otherwise, if you're interested, I've got loads of kind of writing over the years um, on my own blog, which is ad.me. That's ad.me. Um, and I'm also ad on Twitter and Instagram where I share a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and if anyone's interested, I'm also building my new you know, SaaS company called Cogsy in public, which means I'm trying to take 
everyone that's keen to just follow along on the journey, like into that kind of behind the scenes of what goes into this company. And crucially for me, that's, yes, there's a marketing angle to that, but there's also accountability. I would love, I would love any reader of the book, for example, to email me three months down the line and say, Hey, we've been reading your kind of your building and public blog posts. And it seems like your life is out of whack. Like where is your kind of life profitability here? Um, so I would absolutely love um, and invite that kind of amount of accountability here from anyone that kind of with whom these ideas actually resonate. Yeah, I love it. Well, this was so much fun speaking. Really, uh, really delightful. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Alex. Thanks for listening today. If you like moving up, the best way you can support us is by telling your friends and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.